There is sort of a mystique to AI. I think that people are scared of it. AI can go deeper and farther than the individual can. Without a doubt, AI is going to take some jobs. And in the end, it created more jobs. It will replace some repetitive tasks. The humans need to be part of that process. AI is just another tool in an artist's toolbox. If you're an artist, you will create art. AI would be in every marketing platform that we use. I really believe that the only limitation of AI is our imagination. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Frustrated by Your Marketing podcast. I'm your host, Jim D'Amico, and today I am joined by Paula Phelan. She is the COO of Intelligent Relations and an AI expert. If you were to run all of our show notes through AI or ChatGPT and ask it for the most often talked about word, I'm going to guess that number one would be marketing and number two would probably be AI because we've talked about it a lot uh, this year. We launched our podcast, and this year it's probably the top topic in marketing and maybe every industry as uh, as it's starting to disrupt all sorts of different markets and all sorts of different businesses. So super excited to talk to Paula. We had a great conversation last week, just getting to know each other. And she's a wealth of information about AI. And we're going to talk about in particular how it's affecting marketing industry. Uh, and there might be some a little bit just about AI in general. So uh, welcome, Paula. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, Jim. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Looking forward to demystifying AI in all its various forms. Yeah, and that raises a good point. So uh, there is there is sort of a mystique to AI. I think that people are scared of it, or they're either excited or scared, or maybe a little bit of both. I think I'm more excited than scared, but I do know a lot of people are worried about it taking jobs away and you know making things less personalized. So have you seen any of that in your in your travels over the last year or or, or before? Because I know you've been doing AI for, for a lot longer than most of us have been playing around with it. Well, yes, is the answer to the question, all those statements and questions. But yes, without a doubt, AI is going to take some jobs because it is getting rid of redundancy and things that can be done simpler that individuals currently are doing. However, it's going to be adding to jobs. So one of the things I was thinking about, in if we put it in context of where we've been in the past and where we are now, in originally, if you think back just to the 70s, that isn't that long ago. We were doing everything manually. It was in books, accounting, general ledger, uh, inventory control was all being done manually through books. And then eventually, mainframe access became available to businesses outside of government and such. And and we started being able to have very structured data. And then we moved on to client server and such, and we had relational data. So we were able to take all the data that we had and actually be able to make something of it. But AI takes it to an incredibly next level, right? So we are just following a progression here because AI can handle all the unstructured data. We have so much more data now because of the internet and smartphones and such, that this is the first technology that can take all of that data in and actually do something useful with it. So that being the case, if you look at that trajectory I just talked about, everybody worried about losing jobs through every single phase of that. And in the end, it created more jobs. And we're going to see the same thing with AI. Yeah, that, that's how I look at it too. You know, In my mind, it, it will replace some repetitive tasks, some Likely, I think the research assistant job is going to all but disappear. 
But now that opens up another position for that person to do something more high level. So it might flatten some industries a little bit. It might allow somebody to accomplish more, but then if one person can accomplish more than somebody else can, it adds a little bit more competition, which is nice, maybe. Uh, it depends on you know where you are in that, but we're going to certainly have to adjust what we're doing. You know, as I, I do see, you know, we're a smaller firm. I, I feel like we have an advantage in that and over some of the larger firms in that we can grow faster and not have to change as much in order to do it. Where if you were a mega company, you now have to integrate this in and you have all those research assistants that potentially need to be reshuffled around and, you know, find something else for them to do or layoffs uh, and, you know, then they'll enter the job market somewhere else. We are already doing that in intelligent relations. This very thing that you're talking about, we had these research research is wonderful, brilliant people. But what we've done is we've we've redeployed them um, into tagging data and making it more more valuable, right? So it wasn't a great leap for them to move over to be able to provide that kind of uh, capability. And that really does come down to individuals right now for having to tag data in order to be able to leverage it better and and give greater insight. I mean, that's part of the thing here. AI as part of that research, can go deeper and farther than the individual can, and to be able to come back with really valuable information that can be acted upon almost instantly. But let me get back to something you said. What You were talking about smaller businesses and how they'll be able to use AI versus larger businesses. I absolutely agree with you in the beginning. Smaller businesses are going to be able to move faster because your data points um, are going to be fewer, your your interactions with the customer or how you're actually implementing your, your practice, there'll be fewer data points, intersections there. With a corporation, there are a whole lot more. So enabling AI is going to be the next big thing, whether it's for small businesses or large businesses. And the large businesses are going to take a lot longer, but once they do, it'll be very, very powerful. So Enable right now, most people, if they're saying they're AI enabled, if they've been doing it for less than four years, it's more like, yeah, you, you're, you're doing some really simple chat GBT stuff and bringing it in. But ultimately, what's going to have to happen here is every single business is going to have to break down all of their processes, all of their, their applications, and go, where is AI a best fit here? Where it will speed things up add more intelligence, be able to better leverage the data we already have. Um, and, and that's going to take years to do in some situations. But as it happens, we are going to feel the benefits of it almost immediately. Here's one that everybody wa wants to see and that AI really can make a difference, climate change, right? I don't know about you, but I see it. I mean, I see it. I live in California. I see the climate change happening. It's, it's here. And, and as a citizen, I don't know what to do, right? I do my recycling, I separate everything, but is that enough? AI is going to actually be able to personalize our ability to impact client cha climate change as individuals as well as businesses and corporations. And that that's something very exciting. And that is right around the corner. And actually, even today, I mean, you could sit down with ChatGPT and ask it, this is what I do. This is what I have. How can I make <laughs> things better? Why not? Right, right. And so going back to something you said a little while ago about 
you've got staff that are they were research assistants and now they're they're tagging different well i guess they're 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 tagging different research to make it more valuable i think that's an important part to remember is that ai is as robust as it is it it can't do anything without without us playing a part uh and in fact i someone either probably a podcast because that's usually how i consume information but uh it might have been an article i heard that uh, I, I believe it was ChatGPT, but it might have been Bard. Gotten a ton of trouble for filtering out uh, web results that we don't want as part of this language model. So there's a lot of dark things on the web. Or maybe, for all I know, it was a. It might have been in one of your interviews. I'm not sure. I can't remember where I heard that, but it's very interesting to think that if we don't, if we don't monitor it, if we don't, um, and I know we're going to get into this in a little bit, if we don't prompt it well, or if we don't take the information that we get in and parse it well, it it doesn't know what we want. You know, it's it's still a computer program, uh, you know, as base model. So we need to, you know, the humans need to be part of that process. We can't just like press a button and walk away. We need to, in order to improve it, in order to do a better job marketing or, or in any business than our competitors, we still need to be involved. And this is going to require us to be involved at a much higher level than before. So everyone is sort of a, a step up uh, you know, we get all this information, but we need to learn how to use it, basically. It, it is incredibly important. It When client-server came into being, when we moved off the mainframe and went to client-server, it was hard. It, IT became the most important element in any business. How do you keep everything connected? How do you keep the APIs up and running? How do you get two pieces of software to talk to each other? This consumed people and still consumes people. Right. We are at that place with AI. It's at the very beginning. We're trying to make these connections. We're trying to make connections to applications we use, to how we move through the world, how we think about our business, how we think about our personal lives, and how do we bring that into prompts that are actually useful moving forward. But I want to touch on something to, to your your point of how important it is for tagging. Just just yesterday, I was doing some research, and, and literally, I always have at least two computers open with two different forms of AI at any given moment. I'll have another one, two, two AIs running on one computer, one on the other. And I was doing something on training, how to personalize training, right? Really getting into what is it that I need to have in place to make that occur. And the first three things that came up were brilliant, <laughs> especially the first one, brilliant. But then the next three were nonsense. I mean, total nonsense. And and that's that's what everybody has to to watch out for. It's 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 like it's like putting out a letter and not doing a spell check on it, right? Y you really need to be watching this because it's in its infancy at the moment, and all of us are learning how best to speak to whatever AI platform we're, we, we use. And, and that, that's not just individuals, but also uh, engineers, right? What algorithm is going to be the right algorithm for me? What learning algorithm uh, is the appropriate one for this processy that I want it to use? They're not all created equal. So I'll, we're all learning this simultaneously as we go. Absolutely. And and so you said, just use the, the other A word, algorithm. So I think the other thing about AI that most people don't realize is it's it's been here it's just oh. now it's just now been named so 
I don't know if an algorithm, it's fair to say an algorithm is AI, but on some level, it's it's doing things that a that a person isn't doing, right? So Google, they don't even know what's running there. You know, they've they've been asked. I know that they're they're currently being sued by Department of Justice for um, their ad policies, but when asked like how does it how does rankings work, it's not like they can figure that out. You know, they they kind of know what's in the program that does it, and there are people that go through. And again, their version of tagging is sort of a double checking and trying to make the algorithm better, but it's it's being run by machine machine learning like it's not it's not a you know a simple program anymore it, it has a life of its own so this ai that we talk about now because chat gpt made it in the public knowledge it's it's been around for i'm assuming decades but certainly for a decade and it's just now got a name and it's now something that you know the the layperson can play around with which makes it you know way more in the public knowledge Absolutely, absolutely. By the way, I, I would suspect Mr. Page does know exactly how those ads work, but that's another story altogether. Um, right. But in AI, yeah, I, I, yeah. In my early days at HP, we were working on AI in the late '80s, and and it was just we didn't have the horsepower to make this happen. But it has continued to evolve since the '80s. And you're absolutely right. You know, it's funny. I I, I uh, got to watch the first Colbert. Uh, again, after all these months last night, and um, Neil deGrasse Tyson was on and saying, we've, we've been living in an AI world for years. So you're absolutely right. It's been in the background. It's been in algorithms, but in very small ways, very segmented ways that were very specific um, to how it was being implemented. And this is the first time that people have really had access it's, it's like having the computer for the first time or the smartphone for the first time. It, we're really at that place. And this is as significant as both of those uh, those elements, the internet. I, and I keep looking at it. And when we went through the phase of introducing the internet and smartphones, um, it was a dramatic change. And, and people resisted and then eventually came around and all that. It'll be exactly the same thing here. And, and we'll, we will all learn the best ways for us to use it, just as we do with the phones. And and it will overwhelm us at times, just like phone usage does. We're going to oh, have right. to learn how to work with that too. <laughs> I'm constantly true. blocking, you know, setting, you know, reminders to stop using it and trying not to use it as much and looking at screen time alerts. You know, it, it does, it's ever present for sure. But I remember, you know, I remember first computer year, you know, I was in sixth grade for that. I was, you know, we got it. It was a Christmas gift for the family, like changed everything. I remember internet first year of college, you know, it was around before that, but that was when it really became a thing. Smartphones, I don't know if that, for me, that, that changed things a little bit less so. For me, the other two were, were massive changes. Yeah. Um, smartphones obviously change things, but it, to me, it just sort of miniaturized the things that existed. So it, it made it more convenient, but, but it made it stickier because it was in oh, your for sure. head. It is, and it is stickier. Away from it. Right. And, right. and AI, I mean, look at Siri, all of these things are all AI based. So they're already in our homes there. They, we are used to talking to AI already. It's just what we have now with chat and, and Claude and Bard all are so much more sophisticated and and able to synthesize data in a way that is beyond the series of the world. Right. 
And so, so we did a, uh, when we first started the podcast, we did a 2023 prediction uh, episode. And one of my predictions has already more than come true, which is that AI would be in every marketing platform that we use. And I think it's, it's now in, it's gotten to the point of ridiculousness for marketing purposes where it's in platforms it doesn't even need to be in. And, uh, you know, I, I guess the, the question I have for you is, you know, this sort of small business versus large business or yeah, small versus large business. So for us, we're a smaller business. We're, we are likely not going to create, at least at this phase for Skyline, we're not going to create our own AI, you know, tied into our own servers of data. Uh, so we're going to be utilizing um, AI built into the, the platforms that we subscribe to. So whether it's for uh, image generation like Dolly or whether it's for, you know, writing, you know, more specific writing tools, you know, leveraging ChatGPT or things like that. Is that where you see the difference between the small businesses that are essentially subscribing to an AI service versus a mega corporation that they, you know, they now have a team of AI experts that are going to build one for their specific business, you know, for using their specific customer data, using their specific industry, you know, proprietary AI, where it's really going to make an impact and give them a, you know, a leverage over the other mega corporation that they're competing against. At the end of the day, the small business will always be able to do more personalization than a larger company, no matter if they have AI or not, because you're actually hearing the customer, you're touching the customer, your or client or whomever, you are actually involved in a way that AI can never be. So corporations, while yes, I mean, think about it in healthcare, right? A concierge healthcare doctor is going to be able to know you, is working with fewer fewer patients, is going to actually have, forgive me, your best, best interest at heart because they know you, they know who you are, um, they know your lifestyle. Once you're into a, a larger medical establishment, they can only do so much. They can know a bit about you. They have the data. They have all the information on sheets and in the in the database, and they can make connections, right? Especially for unusual illnesses and things like that. But it's not going to have that personalization that a small business will have, and that will always be the advantage of a small business with AI or without AI. When you start leveraging bigger bigger elements, you're trying to reduce cost. You're, you're making things more generic. AI is going to be brilliant at that, at improving the level of quality overall, but it'll never beat out the small business who can actually care about a customer because it can't care. That's the difference. Truly can't, and that's, that's good to hear. And you bring up healthcare, which I hope that... Um, AI and just big tech eventually, you know, if you take out the privacy concerns, which there is obviously plenty, oh, yeah. uh, get us to the point where within the next 20 years or so, a lot of what rate doctors, nurses, uh, and other support staff are doing is documenting and and dealing with essentially paperwork for insurance companies. And it would be great if we get to the point where, yeah, you're right, the, the small hometown doctor, if that will exist in 20 years, I don't know. 
can have, will have even more time. And maybe the bigger corporation, medical corporations will have more time as well because we can take some of that off of their plates and, and AI can, can, you know, it would be amazing if there was something listening, you know, whether it's, you know, a software or, or, you know, just a recording that then is put into software and that, you know, and all the medical equipment is tied into software as well. And that there's your chart. Like there's no need to type it up because the conversation is, you know, AI has parsed through the conversation. It knows what's valuable. Um, you know, when you're taking temperature and blood pressure and things like that, it's all tied in. So you don't have to do that. And now you can have that conversation. Um, that's, exactly. that's a super easy way to think about it, but that technology can exist for any corporation and any, and any business. Uh, and that's, that's what, you know, so I'm more excited about that than I am about, you know, writers losing their, you know, worried about writers losing their jobs and photographers losing their jobs because- Again, if you're good at it, it will give you more time. So the photography example, my brother brings this up all the time. And I have a couple of friends that are, um, that are hardcore photography that, you know, photography is gone. Um, and in some ways it is, um, the editing process is, you know, the, the days of the darkroom, which was before, you know, my brother did a little bit of that in college. I did a little bit in, in high school in sort of the shop class or, or tech ed class or whatever it was, but really never did it in my professional life. And that's when you would belabor over a specific, you know, a single photo for hours to edit it and get it to the right place. Now you can batch process hundreds or thousands of photos at once and you bring AI into that and you can, it's really dark, you can get rid of noise and you can, you can certainly add some AI elements to it. So it, it will allow you to give that attention where you either, you know, give that broad attention to all of them and then pick that one photo that you, you know, you know how this time for your client you can really spend some time on and you can really add that personal touch where, you know, AI can't do that. Obviously they can't be at the wedding. So the, the, there's right. no, there's no AI bot to take those photos uh, yet, although that might come yeah. too. Um, right. You're all but, be doing with the bot, but yes. Right. Okay. But the fact that we can then give that attention to specific photos and specific writing and, you know, because the, the mundane has been taken care of. Yeah. And you know, you might only spend time on five or 10 photos and then you're still delivering a thousand of them and the rest of them are taken care of by AI, which is, which is amazing. Or you can give some more, more attention to the time there because you don't have to worry about, did I get the right shot? Cause you know, you did. That's right. You don't have to take 500, you know, the, the spray and pray, um, which I know the best photographers don't do, or at least say they don't do. Uh, you can now focus on well, I got it. I know I got it because we can change the focus. We can change the, the colors. We, you know, all of this can be taken care of later. And now I can be present. I mean, it'll allow for something like that. Again, the doctor can be present. The photographer can be more present. So it'll allow us to do more with our minds that way instead of um, the manual processes that we have now. So, uh, you know, to me, that's that's the more exciting piece of this is now it'll be hard. The, the, the worst photographers, the worst writers, the worst doctors, they're going to burn out or, or, or be placed out because they won't be able to uh, evolve with it. But the ones that really use it um, will now be able to do a better job, which is what we're all looking for. I have a different take on this. Okay. Um, Good. As an artist, <laughs> as an artist myself, um, I've thought about this uh, because I know it really upsets some artists, the concept of AI and AI being able to do their job or whatever. I look at it very differently. I, I see it, one is AI is just another tool in an artist's toolbox. It's a, a different camera, it's a different brush, whatever you want, whatever your methodology is. 
Um, and it's just a, another tool. Some people will gravitate to it and say, yeah, this is the way I want to base all of my initial work. Others won't. But here's the thing that's happened, and it happened back to Nap. I, I point to Napster as the beginning of all this. Napster decided <laughs> that music, nobody had to pay for music anymore. And then right. after that, we had Limelight, right? Lime. So, and oh um, yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah, and then and then uh, movies became uh, available to everyone. You didn't have to pay for movies. So this concept of not having to pay artists uh, and, and has been going on now for the last 20, 25 years. I actually think it is gone. You will not be able to make, I mean, those people who can have a marketing persona put around them can still make money on on art, but basically it's not, it's gone. And I don't see it coming back anytime soon. But at the end of the day, it, that's not going to stop an artist. If you're an artist, you will create art. There, There's no two ways about it. You will continue to produce because it's something that you have to do. It's not. It's not um, something you want to do. You have no choice in the matter. So artists will always be creating art, and they will always be able to reach an audience that appreciates the way they see the world, their vision of the world, and and that the audiences might get smaller and smaller, and and who knows, AI might be able to identify, put those connections together. I mean, I'm on Instagram. And it feels like shouting into the into the void. It's like, I don't know who's out there and who may hear, <laughs> who may not hear, but whatever. Right. And and AI is gonna be able to connect you with the people who do this is they're gonna go out, this they're gonna see your artwork, whatever that is, be that written or otherwise. And it'll say, Hey, this is the group of people who are looking at something similar. You might wanna see that. And I know Instagram sort of does that now, but it'll be even more so. It really actually will be specific. You will start having like minded people coming together. And so it's more about community art, you know, AI will help develop more community in art than, um, yeah, I don't see artists making money for a long, long time to come. Art has become something that the general public feels a right to and access to. And for the the good or the bad of it, that just is what it is. And um, the world has changed since the time of the, uh, Italian Renaissance, when people, you know, the special crafting people were held in high regard. That 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 moment has disappeared. So now it's marketeers who develop artists into what we know is the great artists. And 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 you know what? That might have been even happening back then, for all we know. So I I I'm not as worried about that per se. But to go back to the healthcare concept of it eliminating the nonsense, the repet- how many times do I have to fill out a form every time I go to the doctor? And it's oh, the same on that one. <laughs> form. It's like, are you kidding me? So yeah. that all gets eliminated. But dare I go back to a buzzword of last year, uh, which is blockchain. Blockchain is going to do that. And blockchain will be tied into AI. So it's going to be all connected ultimately. But blockchain will eliminate a lot of that data repetition. And oh, by the way, it's really going to get rid of jobs. And so nobody's talking about that. I'm sure AI will be accused of the elimination of those jobs. But it's really blockchain for, you know, everyone who's like a title company and all, if you've ever bought a house or a condo or whatever, you get all these pieces of paper at the end you have to sign. 
um, even with DocuSign now. Uh, the, the blockchain is going to get rid of all of that. This is the house. This is who's owned it. This is the details, and it will just follow it along. You're not going to have endless streams of paper to sign off on. Um, and that'll be true with healthcare too. You're going to be, this stuff will all be in blockchain. That's what's going to protect it. That's the way it'll go down. But that's an old buzzword. I know it's last year's buzzword. So, it, but it is so closely tied to AI. And, and those will be some of the things, real benefits we'll, we'll have uh, moving forward. Right. And so I love blockchain. I think it's great. I actually think that, so the little bit that I, as I've been exploring Web3 and blockchain, I, I think that it's ultimately going to be the death of social media as we know it. And, you know, if you looked at your blockchain number, like let's say there's a Paula blockchain number, right? Wouldn't it be great if you could tie that into all of your communication? And so if the two of us are communicating, I might have an access level uh, different than uh, someone in your family versus different than someone in your company. And when you had something that you wanted to broadcast, you would be able to use uh, the Fediverse or whatever replaces that. And now you could set different levels of, of exposure and you could get a message out. Um, no matter what, it, hey, I'm going to be on a podcast today. Your, your family might not care <laughs> or they might love it. Who knows? <laughs> but you'd be able to set pe parse people into different categories. And now that becomes your mailing address, essentially, uh, yes. to and from. And we don't have to have 10 different email addresses. We don't have to like Google, uh, Google, Facebook, and and uh, Twitter, and so on, have as much data on us and control as much. I'm sure they'll figure out a way to make their money, but it will allow us to do that. And it would be amazing. I and you know I didn't think about it with medical, but wouldn't it be amazing if our watches that you know everyone's getting smart watches if that was tied into an algorithm or or an AI and it's following your heart rate and that's going into your medical file and it, you know. They're slowly watching that tick up and like, hey, Jim, you're stressed. Uh, you should probably make it. We made an appointment for you. <laughs> you know, you're we, you're going to see the doctor next week because we, we're seeing something here that matches other data that we have that there might be something going on and we want you to be seen. So, you know, as we battle through, again, privacy issues and yeah, that's and, right and, it, and and just, you know, getting used to this technology, it will eliminate some of those steps and that will allow us again to focus on other stuff, which is yeah. you know, super exciting. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about blockchain. I didn't think about that in in the realm of AI, but you're right. It's 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 the data, you know. So the AI can then parse through that, and um, you know, we'll give it access to do certain things. And that's in a best case scenario. That is exactly the vision. And wouldn't that be wonderful? And forgive me, but the kumbaya aspect of it all right. that we would all be happy. <laughs> That, which brings us to the ethical issues, right? There are, and things that people should be concerned about with AI. That, 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 that's the dream, what you just described. But the problem is the moment that you put money into this, that model, then <laughs> it gets it gets corrupted, right? Or any model, right? <laughs> right, you know, I mean, so there's got to be a balance here. But um, this goes to uh, ethical issues and why regulation is going to be important. Um, down the road. Now, there, uh, there are several bills in front of Congress right now that were promoted in back last year. Partly around this, if you start having control over people's data, what can you do with it and what can't you do with it? But the other piece of it is what bias is being incorporated into these algorithms? What, what 
what data sets are being included that are already contained bias. So, you know, um, everything from loan approvals to healthcare, you, you may or may not know, but almost all studies are done strictly with men. They're not done with women. They're not done with minorities. So you don't, everything that's done, you know, it, this is really big in the, in the heart space, heart and cancer. So that, it, here's a great example. If you are being given a drug for, you name it, whatever it is, you're, you, me, I'm given the same dosage as you would be given as a guy or my husband who's much larger than I am. And because there's only one dosage, they don't take into consideration that women are smaller and et cetera. So these biases are now being fed into these huge AI algorithms um, and systems. And those things, so one of the regulations uh, Cory Booker put forward was that every big AI engine like this has to be looked at every six months or a year by somebody, uh, a bias, and somebody looking for bias to make sure that it doesn't perpetuate itself, which is what it's going to do if that doesn't happen. So these, those issues are very real. Those ethics issues are, it, until those get put in place, what information we do give AI becomes, I mean, it's just like when you go out on the internet, you're, you're opening yourself up to anything and everyone right. It's right. going to be like that, basically. It, 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 AI is inert. It doesn't care, but the people who are running it or have the background, those are the people we aren't under any kind of regulation or control. Yeah, and and the control that it had, it will have, and the and the power that it will have is that's this that's almost the more scary part than is it going to replace jobs? You know, oh, using yeah. it wisely because I see you know during our uh, we talked last week and before that as I was sort of thinking about this, I could see it running our email inboxes, and if it. Yep is deciding, you know, if if you plug in, listen, I need more time. I get hundreds of emails every week. I need more time so that, and I need more focus so I can, you know, respond to Paul's email and ignore somebody else's. If I do that and I give it that power to essentially be my email uh, inbox assistant and there's some sort of, you know, corporate rule on, you know, sitting on top of that, it might, you know, supersede what I'm telling it to do without us knowing and it might make you know make decisions that it, it thinks are in my best interest but are not because it's you know again acting on on you know other rules that we don't know about so yeah That's, that that part is a little bit scarier i think but yeah with you know with transparency and and with some oversight i i do think that you know that will all be figured out but you know it's going to be controlling a lot exists. of stuff for us yeah <laughs> Somebody sent me one just the other day, an AI uh, tool that goes through my mailbox and decides what I should look at and what I shouldn't. And I'm sure it'd be wonderful. I actually get a ridiculous number of emails a day and it would be wonderful to have. But I I stopped for the very reason that you just said, do I really want it making those decisions for me? I mean, it's bad. this This is a spam junk folder on steroids all of a sudden, right? It's... do I want it to actually be doing that kind of analysis on my inbox? And I'm not sure I do yet. I'm, I'm not there yet for the very reasons you described. Yeah, I'm not there yet either. You know, I, 
I've used, there was a um, program I used years ago called Unroll Me, which was not there. I don't know. I'm sure there was probably AI in it, but it was a simple way to, you know, it was a simpler version of, you know, put this in this folder so I don't have to look at it until later. And then it was there. So it wasn't getting rid of stuff for me. It wasn't doing anything complex, but it was parsing stuff out, you know, a more, com- it was a more complicated or a complex version of what we have now with, you know, if you use Gmail, there's your promotional inbox and your financial mm. inbox or whatever those are. So it was a little bit more uh, robust than that, but not, it wasn't making decisions. It was just following your decisions. And that still didn't work for me. So, you know, I don't think I'm there yet either, but, but it's coming. And as email, an email marketer, we're going to have to battle that because, you know, how are we going to be seen over emails from Banana Republic or The Gap or whoever else, you know, they're, you know, they're going to know how to play the, play the game a little bit better because they might have engineers that are engineering uh, AI that can best the AI or who knows, but I could see there being a lot of AI talking to AI. And I was having to figure out uh, as the human people uh, in in here how to how to make it work. So, you know, I just got this vision as you're talking. It is going to wash over us like a big wave. It's just going to wash over us. You just got to hold firm and know what it is you want as you're going forward when you're making these decisions because there are going to be more and more of these software products that are saying, "Listen, we're going to make this so much better for you in this way and this way." I think it's really important to think about what the downside of that is. And you know what? You can ask, you can ask your favorite AI uh, <laughs> chat, whatever. Say, you know what? I'm thinking about using this product, and it does this. What are the downsides? Just any question you have in your life at this point. What's the worst that happens if you ask the question? You don't like the answer, or you don't think it's so correct, then move on. But if it gives you insights that you've never had before, then that gets pretty interesting, right? I mean, that, I think I said to you the other day, I, I really believe that the only limitation of AI is our imaginations. And so these days, anytime I come up with a, a question or something I'm really struggling with, or I need a creative piece of inspiration on something, I just turn to AI. It's there. And I don't have to accept it whole cloth, but I I have the opportunity to get it's like having a, a an intellectual friend next to me who's who's also thinking about the same things, right? And and giving me some additional ways of looking at, at stuff. I'm a fan. Can you tell? Yeah, I'm- no, I, I know you're a fan. I'm a big fan too. Um, <laughs> I wish I was using it more. I try, I try to find excuses to use it almost every day. I know you're probably using it every hour, uh, or or pretty much most of the day. Most um, of the day, but it's I'm there. but I'm I'm finding that I'm leaning on it more and more, and I think it's great and. It's something that I've been saying a lot over the last year is that I really think that in addition to job positions sort of flattening, so you know again that research assistant moves up or moves out um, depending on if they want you know a different career. I do think it's going to flatten what's produced. So you know bringing bringing us all to the middle if it's not used well. So if you're you know the the example in my mind is you know, when we yep. get newsletters from the from the school. You know, it's still using MS Paint and, you know, the photos are all warped and, you know, it's using weird clip art. And could you imagine when, you know, the person, you know, that person's overworked, they didn't study design or, or marketing and they shouldn't have had to, if they could just drop some images and drop some text into some sort of platform and say, make me a school newsletter. And then now that will match the quality of a professionally designed school newsletter. And for them, it'll probably 
it will only improve. But now if if the design firms that are now competing against now this this person who is not in marketing does the same thing, they've been brought down because we crave that novelty. And so we need to, so we, we will all, you know, the lower will be better and we will consume a better right. school newsletter. But if the upper echelon is has been now brought down, you're not, think- there's that differentiator isn't there and we need that person to use it better, I guess, in, exactly. in order to, to raise it. Yeah. Th- I had this conversation with my husband just last night. This is the exact conversation. Because we were talking about the strike and, you know, the concerns around AI and all. In my mind, it, it right to your point, it, it will absolutely improve people who don't, who aren't familiar with whatever their job is, or they're trying to raise up there in a, a junior position, they want to move up. It will give them additional resource, give them new ways to be thinking about their job to be able to improve. But great writers are always going to be great writers. They, you will, it's just like if I have, if I get a press release from a junior person, Versus a senior person, I know the difference because the senior person oh, sure. more to the specifics really understand the, the the topic. AI generates great average material. It's right. average. <laughs> it's just average. If you don't add your your unique insights and your value, then it's average. And you know, I just don't. Every school teacher is going to be able to recognize an AI written paper. Every every um, pr- production house is going to recognize if it, you know a writer is trying to pass something off that's AI. It's not that AI might not have great ideas, but if you're expecting it to actually write something complete, it'll be eh, you know. So and that's okay because it's just giving ideas. It's it's supposed to be giving you a framework and outline you get to add in your special sauce, your special knowledge. And that is always going to be the case. Absolutely. And and so and that's the thing that will always be the case. If if AI improves, let's pretend that all of a sudden it doesn't write just average, it becomes above average. We if every, you know, if I'm doing work for a plumbing company and every plumbing website looks exactly the same, well, there's no different, there's no novelty, there's no differentiator. Why am I picking one over the other other than just price, which is not the only reason people pick things because of. And so now the marketing firms, when when that day comes, when you press a button and all of a sudden you get a plumbing website, there will be other ways that we have to bring that novelty and bring that uniqueness. And so why am I picking ABC plumbing versus XYZ plumbing? It's because of it's- whatever the thing at the time we have, you know, it's it's the photos of that uh, of the staff, it's it's the story, it's the you know things that we haven't thought of yet. But you know, marketers will come up with this because that's our job. Really, is you know, why am I picking A over B? You know, what what makes this one more unique? What makes this one a better fit for me? And so, if everything, if AI brings us all to the the same point, um, and we get lazy, well, it'll be the ones that aren't lazy that use it as a tool that's and right. build upon it. Exactly, e- even in art, right? So, with me. I'm I'm a photographer and a painter and and pen and ink. And when I played with uh, I, I imagined uh, imagine art is my favorite, um, but I needed it to represent some historical figures. In the end, it was my knowledge of those historical figures that defined what AI generated. If you were to add 
your perspective on, you know, for once, one was Winston Churchill, right? So I have, I have a background of knowing who he is and what he cares about. So I was able to put that into my imagery. Um, and you would probably have different things that would come up for you with regards to this person and, and how you envision him. So each of us is going to create our own Winston Churchill, even if we're using AI. I just, again, see it as a different paintbrush as we move forward. And it's going to be your view of color, of, of composition, all of that, that is going to be that ultimate image, even though the canvas is going to be AI. Oh, and that's, you know, at the, at the crux of it, that's art. You know, why is Jackson Pollock, why is he a genius? I don't know if he is, but a lot of people, the people in the art world think he is. He throws paint on a canvas, right? Or did. That's right. I could do that. Probably not as well. But there was, it was sometimes it's being burst. Sometimes it's being different. I can see us putting a huge price tag on things that are, you know, I think as this evolves, things will be tagged as not AI. You know, this was, I can prove this somehow that this was created with my hands only. And that will be, that will be the most coveted art because it's different. And that's why, that's why he, that's why he's Jackson Pollock and everyone else who's done it after him are just throwing paint on the canvas. Right. So that's that's, our world's always been pushing the limits, being different, you know, trying different mediums, mixing them. That's that novelty. We crave that. We, we, as humans, once, once we've seen things 50 times, the, it, it's the next thing we kind of we're moving our our brain is looking for that so uh you know an art is probably the best place to see that that you know because it obviously it's evolves a ton over the over the you know over the centuries uh but then there's some people that go back and and do the classics in a different way so you know that sometimes what's old is new and you know and i think that will continue to evolve and and that's you know whether or not we're paying a lot of money for art or it's like you said that that craving in, inside of us to just to, to just create it I don't know, but it'll it'll be there and it'll be different somehow. Absolutely. And you know what? Jackson Pollock's a great example. Jackson Pollock wouldn't be Jackson Pollock without Peggy Guggenheim. Peggy Guggenheim is who marketed Jackson Pollock, who made him who he is. And okay. you know what? Marketeers like us are going to be defining those next generation artists, healthcare applications, finance applications, all of the all of those elements that are going to come forward um, are going to be marketeers who know how to leverage AI, who know how to bring bring a new concept forward and be able to show the value to to the consumer. Yep, and that yeah, that's marketing kind of at its at its core for sure. Yep. Well, this is a great discussion. I wanna I wanna finish this up by talking a little bit about your company, Intelligent Relations. Sure. So you're the COO. Yep. It's a PR firm, different an AI PR firm. That's great. We Skyline was in PR 20 years ago for about five years when basically got out of it in 2008 when, you know, half or three quarters of magazines shut down and, and just the industry changed. So type of PR we were doing were the type of thing now that's been taken over by, by um, social media, basically. Well, so, you know, it was about getting smaller companies and smaller brands um, exposure and, you know, people needed content and that's how how it was being consumed globally. And now that type of content is, is again, more done by social media where there's ways to get exposure and there's ways to get these companies and people out there. But with that, with the, I guess with the 
magazine and, and publication industry shrinking, it's different now. So, you know, there's there's ways to get on the on the press, but it's it's done in the more core PR fashion. You know, very niche and 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 maybe more publicity driven is why we got out of it. But you're in it. And so tell me a little bit about how, you know, about the PR industry, how it's evolving. Um, I think if I have this right, the name of your yours is not ChatGPT, it's Preston. Is that correct? Preston, that's okay, right. Okay, so Preston is your is your AI genius behind behind that's, the scenes. Yep. Um, how does it work, and 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 how do you see that industry evolving? Absolutely. So it's it's interesting. It's very much what we've been talking about. We are using AI to be able to do that absolute introduction between people, the individuals getting together, right? So that it's very personalized. So. I come out of PR, had a firm for decades, and I, that was traditional PR, brilliant, great. There is still a place for traditional PR. But what AI does, where and why I switched over, I said, now this is the future. This is where, where it has to go. Because there's so much in PR that is repetitive and time-consuming, building lists and yeah, all, all the things. As you were describing the, the healthcare, I was thinking, yeah, that's all PR. It's, you know, you, this can all be automated now, and that's that's part of what AI does. But the, one of the brilliant aspects of uh, Preston it, that we created Intelligent Relations is it's an AI platform. So yes, it does build. It is built on um, OpenAI, ChatGPT, but also a variety of uh, AI algorithms, both public and proprietary. And so, what we've done is we started out. So this is the company is just over three years old. So we've been working on this for a while, and we started out monitoring the media. So what are all the pubs out there that are putting out content? What are they, what are they focused on? How often are they coming out? Where are, they, where are the topics going? That sort of thing. So we really understand the publications, who their audiences are, and what, what their focus is. Then the next thing we were focused on was going out and capturing journalists. So we have hundreds of thousands of journalists that we are tracking, and we, we literally literally you're tracking them on a, on a minute to minute basis so that we know when they're writing about stuff, when they're, they're adding comments to things, that we know really what they care about in, in a wide variety of industries. So we're looking at where is their focus today? Where was their focus three months ago? Where was their focus two years ago? And how has that evolved? And where are their areas that they specialize in? So then when we have our clients, and by the way, we're always learning about these journalists. We're constantly learning who they are and what they care about. On our client basis, so when a client comes in, first thing we're doing is scraping their website. We have all the information on their website, how they, how, how they present themselves, what they're thinking about. And as we go along, we're constantly evolving that. So every time we put out, we reach out to somebody in the media, we're capturing that information. So ultimately what's happening and what has never happened before in PR, unless you had really, really talented people who'd been in an industry for 10 years, they could, they could say, oh, yes, this is the person at IDC. I really want to connect you know, with, this, with this journalist, with my client. They could make those connections in their head because they had all that experience. With Preston, it's actually automatically figuring that out. It's saying, these are the five journalists you want to approach. They really care about this story and they will take it to the next level. And oh, by the way, here's how we can suggest other 
other ways of expanding on things they've already written in the past and such to, yes, interest them, but to inspire them as well. That's an interesting article to write. I'd be curious on being able to do do that based on this is what this company is doing and how, how they're doing it. That's something that's never been done before and why it is absolutely so brilliant and I'm so sold that because it's just a value add for everyone in the food chain. It's a value add for the, the client who's not just spending money and hoping something happened. It's a value add for the journalist who's not getting bombarded by emails that they don't care about. And it's uh, a value add for the publications to be able to get the right information as well. So everybody, oh, I'm sorry, the reader. I knew there was a third one there. And the reader. <laughs> and about the so readers? <laughs> that we're getting what they actually want. Right, that they're not they're they're not getting halfway through an article and going, wow, this is completely irrelevant, not something I'm at all interested in. So that's what we can do, and and it's getting better every day because the longer it goes, the more information, the more knowledge it's capturing, and not not for nothing, as you said, the media once ads went away the media landscape changed a lot. So obviously there's still top tier media and such, but the what's filling in that is wonderful people like you, podcasting. Podcasting right. is growing like crazy and it's what people have time to do now as opposed to sit down and reading a 10 page article, they can consume an hour's worth of a podcast, working out, driving, whatever it is. So this is sort of the future of, of media and, and thank you for letting me be part of it with you. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, I don't. I guess I didn't think of myself as as media, but I guess I guess I'm media you now. You sure are. Hopefully, we're in Preston. You are. Olivia. That's how I'm talking to you. Oh, if excellent. You okay, so you found you us through Preston. Exactly. That's great. I guess it, so Paula reached out. That's how we got connected, and then, uh, like I said, we spoke last week and, and knew this would be a great fit. That's it. And yeah, I think it's exciting. And you know, we used to do like the spray and pray. Uh, you know, when we were doing PR, we did both. We did the we knew people. We we knew the connection would be there. And we mentioned articles that they were interested in, and 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 that they had written, and and also we 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 also did the the not to be done spray and pray where you just email you know five hundred people and hope for the best, and you know the targeted one always works better. It takes a lot longer for sure, take and now so you're you know the magic that you've provided is it doesn't take longer. You still have to read the articles. You still you know that's the, that's the part to remember is if it's saying Jim will be interested in this because of X Y Z. And then you say like, hey, Jim, I loved that article you wrote. And then we start talking and it's clear that you didn't read it. That would be bad. So it's not like this eliminates everything. But the fact no. that you can narrow in on the person and narrow in on the article and narrow in on the topic. And and so when you're when you're doing this research, is it also their social accounts? So like what if, yes. you know, so I'm obviously interested in marketing, but what if I I my tweets were all about cooking? I don't know. I mean, they're not. But what if they were? Would would it bring that in? Like Jim's also kind of interested in cooking, because it he, would. Okay, okay. that's it great. Would. It's good or the bad of that, but you know it's out there in the public. So yes, indeed. So it is. It is a way to do it. But by the way, that one I want to touch on one of the things that you said. I mean, if we were just to put that out generically out to the world, here you can make these connections and stuff. You would get the people who are. Or who are reading it or attempting to figure out how to do PR, it would be generic in response. But because we have account managers with real training and real experience, they can take that data that Preston is giving them and, and 
add to it, add value to the 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 outreach that's you know that is going to the the journalist or the editor. They can add that their knowledge. I want to say that that's what makes it special, right? The the thing we were talking about with art and everything. It a person can take what AI, the basics that AI gives you, and actually add to it because they have additional knowledge. So we find that that is incredibly valuable and and makes a difference. That's that's amazing. This was such a great conversation. If listeners want to reach out, how can they how can they find you? Paula at intelligentrelations.com will do it. Paula at paulafeelin.com will do it. Okay. And so intelligentrelations.com is the corporate website. And yep. you're also on LinkedIn at Paula Feelin. Yep. Thank you so much. I love this. I have a feeling that AI is going to be part of um, our conversation here for a long time to come. So I'd love to have you back. Thanks. And I hope everybody enjoyed this. And thank you so much for joining us. You can watch this also on is on YouTube or um, wherever you get your podcasts, like and subscribe, and uh, we will see you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you.